0: Turn to 1 John chapter 5. Faith is the victory. We talked about that last week. Want to encourage you, if you were unable to be here and didn't hear it, go online, go on our app, get the CD. Because we we made a statement about victory that's very important that you know. And that is faith is the victory. We get this idea that we get in a battle and we come out... And, and now because we, we're still standing, we think, okay, now I have the victory. So if, I, if I've been diagnosed with something, we get the feeling that when the healing of God manifests in my physical body, now I have victory. But that's opposite. The Bible says faith is your victory. So the minute that you gain revelation knowledge that by his stripes you were healed and that Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, the minute that you get revelation knowledge and faith comes and you reach out and say, Father, I believe I receive my healing right now. You, that is the victory. You already have the victory, right? Why? Because we're not getting God to heal us. He's already provided it. It's just a matter of us receiving it. We receive it through faith. So faith is the victory. So in 1 John chapter 5, this was our foundational scripture here. Let me find it here. Hallelujah. In verse 4 it says this and we you know it says whatsoever in the King James but it's the Greek word whosoever so we'll read it correctly for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith so faith is the victory I had it in my heart to this morning. There was a story that just jumped out to me. And, and I, want to, I want to go into it. And it's the story. Do you remember where four guys took a paralyzed man and they tried to get into the house to see Jesus and they couldn't so they, they literally carted this guy up on the roof and tore up the roof and, and lowered him down where Jesus was. And this paralyzed man was healed. Do you remember that story? We're going to go into that story this morning because it really, it really gives you a picture of faith. And, and I, want, I think that'll help fill in some blanks. Everything that Jesus did while he was on his, in his earthly ministry here is a direct revelation of the will of God for all men for all time. So some of the teaching out there that says God heals some and not others, if that was true, if it was scriptural, now you know what's scriptural, right? What do you have to have for something to be scriptural? You have to have scripture, right? So so if that was true, that people who believe that would have to be able to give you Scripture. And actually, I would love to see one. I've, I've literally never seen one. But the Bible says you should have two to three. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So, so we believe that if you look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, it completely reveals the will of God for all men for all time. So we're going to look at a story. Do you know there's not one time when anybody ever came to Jesus and he said, it's not my will to heal you. Or I just want you to wait. He never, never said that. Not once. Not once. So in Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 1 through verse 3, it says this. Hebrews 1, 1. God who at sundry times, that means various times, and in diverse manners, that means it in many, many manners. So God who at various times and in many different ways spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. That's how it would happen, right? He always spoke to the fathers through the prophets in the Old Testament. It says, half in these last days. Well, when did the last days start? They started when Jesus came out of the grave. Half in these last days, spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So now, God, in, these, in the church age, God says, I'm going to speak to you through my son. That's why we say you can look at the early earthly ministry of Jesus and know God's will for all men for all time because that's how God is speaking to us now. Do, is there still prophets today? The office of a prophet? Absolutely. But I got to tell you, see, if, if somebody stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, we never judge them. But we, we every time will judge what they say based on the word of God because God speaks to us through his word now, yeah. right? So we will judge. And, and, if, and if somebody says, thus saith the Lord, and, and it's not right, we'll know it because it's not in the Bible. Then you just reject that. You don't reject them, love them, because everybody can miss it, right? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna receive any word See, I'm going to base my life on truth. The Bible says in John 17, 17 that God's word is truth. It's not subject to change. I'm going to believe truth above any facts that I see, any facts that I feel, any facts that I hear. I'm not going to be moved from the outside. I'm going to be moved from the inside. It says, Hath in these last days, verse 2, spoken unto us by his Son, who's he, who he's... Whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. Now he's going to talk about, in verse 3, who the Son is. Who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus was the brightness of the Father's glory. And the express image, that means the exact expression of his person. Jesus was the brightness of the Father's glory, Jesus was the exact expression of the person of the Father. And upholding all things by the word, that means by the utterance of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus was an exact expression of the Father. Okay? Remember that. So if the Father would ever bless one person and not bless another person, you would have to see that in the life of Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see how plain this is? So we don't see that ever. In John 14, in verse 8, it said this. Philip comes to Jesus, and Philip said unto him, Lord... Show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet you've not known me, Philip? So Philip's going, hey, if you just show us the Father, we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is like, well, wait a minute. Philip, you've been with me so long, and you still don't know me? Right? Right? It says, Jesus said this, He that has seen me hath seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus is an exact expression. Jesus is the brightness of his glory. He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you then, show us the Father? So, if we give this, and you can even go one step further where Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, I'm going away right now and where I'm going, you can't come, but don't worry about that. I'm going to send you another comforter. And that's the Greek word. Another is alos. It means one who is exactly the same. So he's, he goes, guys, I'm going to send you somebody else. He's the mighty Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. He'll be upon you. And he is just like me. So you see in the Trinity, they're exactly the same. They never deviate, ever. If Jesus healed one person, then he would have to heal everybody. Right? If Jesus saved one person, he would have to save everyone. The Bible does not say that Jesus died for the sins of everyone who would receive him. It says he died for the sins of the world. Everyone. See, could you imagine? Jesus, he literally was was made to bear the penalty of everyone's sin who lived in the Old Testament and already died rejecting him. But God is just no respecter of persons. He, it's who he is. He can't do something for Mark and not do it for Tony. Isn't that amazing? So do you, have, you, have you ever known anybody that's ever gotten healed? Then rejoice. Because as much as God has made that available for them, he's made it available to you. It's yours. Isn't that good news? Acts 10.34 says this. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. Acts Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. Imagine that, right? (laughs) And said... Now this is a big statement because he said some good things here. Many times Peter had to go, oops, right? But he said this. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So if you look and take an aerial view of the ministry of Jesus, an aerial view of this, the four Gospels give an account of his life, there were 19 individual, you've heard me say this before, 19 individual cases that are documented in the four Gospels. Some are in all of them, or, or at least three out of the four, I think the nobleman's son was in in the gospel of John only. Most of them are in more than one gospel. So when you read all the different accounts, you'll get a good picture. It's three different pictures of the same story, and it fills even more blanks in. But there's 19 individual cases. Now, these were showcased by God. The Holy Spirit saw fit to give us a picture of 19. You know, woman with the issue of blood the man who was full of leprosy, right? Blind Bartimaeus, the nobleman's son, the centurion's servant. There's 19 of them. 10 out of the 19, 10 of them, 10 of these stories that were true, literally focused on the fact that it was the person's faith that made them whole or got them healed. 10 of them you could say it this way, their individual faith was referred to in the text. So now there's nine left. Seven of the nine, their faith is not mentioned in the text. However, it is real clear that you can see their faith. It's it's real clear. It just doesn't actually say your faith is why you're healed. But you could see their faith. Very clearly. So that's 17 out of 19. There were only two instances where the person's faith is not mentioned and the person's faith is not seen. In other words, they were healed by just one of the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of, There's nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. One of them is a gift of healing Another is a working of miracles. Another is special faith. So, so in two, only two of the 19, it had nothing to do with their faith. Showing us that the predominant emphasis in the word of God and the ministry of Jesus is that people would receive as they believed him and then acted on that belief by speaking or doing. Right? We see that. So so think about that. Now, Now, this is giving us a picture. See, most people, this is telling us, most people are going to receive healing through their faith. The individual's faith, in other words, is the determining factor in them receiving their healing. I could say it this way. Your individual faith and my individual faith will be and is the determining factor on whether or not you receive your healing or really anything from God. Your faith is the determining factor. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith, now we need to know this because if faith is the determining factor on whether I'm going to receive from God or not, now notice that it didn't say how good I am is the determining factor. It's your faith. We don't see, we don't receive from God, and we can't say we don't get God to give to us apart from faith. We can't say that because he's already given it. So whenever you hear this when we teach, you we only receive the things that God's given us. By his grace, we receive them through faith. So in, in Romans 10:17, it says, So then faith comes. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. You could say it this way. Faith comes by hearing God's word. So if you, the primary way a believer is going to receive their healing is through faith and faith only comes by hearing God's word, that tells me you're gonna have to hear God's word all the time. But it's not about hearing with your head. It's about hearing with your heart. Because faith is of the heart. Hearing has more to do with what is said than what is heard. What do I mean by that? You're hearing with your ear right now what I'm saying. But when faith is birthed, the word of God will start speaking to you out of your spirit. All of a sudden, you'll just be like, wow, he's provided healing for me. He himself, he, he bore my sickness and carried my pain. I mean, that has, you have to have revelation knowledge of that. So hearing has to do more with what's said, or I'm sorry, has more to do with what's said than what is heard. See, right now you're hearing some things. As you meditate in them, the word will start speaking to you. And when it speaks to you, that's when faith is there. When, when the word of God speaks to your heart, you have faith. You're, you're in faith right now. And, you, and, it, and it just becomes very easy to be fully persuaded that what God said he's given you is yours. You build your faith by hearing God's word. That What I'm saying now is you have to have a constant revelation of his words speaking to you. It should be speaking to you all the time, all the time. You can do all things through Christ, the anointed one in his anointing, which strengthens you, right? You're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're gonna live long on the earth and declare the works of the Lord. You're gonna live and not die, Right? The path of the righteous is one of increase. His word will just speak to you all the time. You can tell when a person hears with their heart. Why? Because they'll be excited. When you hear with your head, you don't see excitement. But when a person hears with their heart, wow, it goes off. When something is old to you, that means it's not real to you. If you're sitting here today going, man, he's saying this stuff again, it's not real to you. But oh my gosh, it's so much easier for it to be real to you because that's how you're made. I'm telling you, every word in the Bible is fresh to me. I start thinking of everything. Sometimes, you know, you're reading through some of this stuff you know, how they built the temple and he begat him. And, he, and, and I just start thinking, but, but God breathed those words. And those words were for me. That's amazing. And there's life in those words. How could there be life on so-and-so beget so-and-so? But the Bible says that that word is full of life and it's full of power and that it's actually medicine to my flesh. You know, I've told you the story about in Ramah... Um, What is it? Is it Indonesia? In Rama, Indonesia, they require every student to have a ministry. So the the head of the school was talking to this one young man from Indonesia and going, so what's your ministry? And he goes, oh, he goes, I drive to this one area and in this area in Indonesia, there's people just running naked and just wild in, in the wilderness. They've lost their mind and they're just living out in the jungle. And so he goes. I just I just drive up and and talk to one of them and have them come and come to my house. I take them in my car, bring them to my house, clothe them, and uh, and then two times a day I just read read scripture to them, and uh, I can't remember now. I'm, it's slipping. I think two weeks. So it's something like just not very many weeks. All of a sudden, their mind will come back. And he goes, it's really amazing because a lot of these guys are like professionals. They're like attorneys or doctors or, or whatever and their mind will just come back and then they'll put them back in society and then I'll go, I'll go find another one. And the, this, the head of the school at Rame is like, wow, that's amazing. And, and he's like, well, where did you, where did you hear that, that to, to cause you to do it? And, and the student, the Indonesian student looked at the, the head of the school and goes, well, I, I learned that from you. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, you were quoting a scripture where it says in his, you know, what does it say in Proverbs 4, right? The word is life to all those that find it and health to their flesh. So he goes, I just had this thought. What a great ministry. Amen. And he goes, it's awesome. You know, and that's, because that, so that's my ministry. And so now, so this is what we do now. Okay, so this is supernatural. So what exactly wouldn't you ask this question? What exactly do you read to them? And the Indonesian student's kind of a little baffled. He's like, "Well, he goes, I, I just I read a scripture out of the Old Testament and then read one out of the New Testament." He goes, "It doesn't matter." He, he goes, "Wait a minute, you don't have, you don't, you don't like specifically certain specific scriptures." And he's like, "No, just just the word. I just read the word to him. Could it be that simple? Could it be that the word of God is true? Guys, it is true. It is true. When something is old to you, it's not real to you. If something is real to you, you will get excited. You'll, You'll just be, man, I just can't wait to go to church again. I can't wait to listen to more of the word of God in my car. I'm gonna start, and then you go home and you're talking with your spouse or you're talking with friends and it's just fellowshipping over the word. It's awesome. Kenneth Hagin said this, um, just a powerful scripture. He he made this one statement that, that still resounds with me. He says, you know, the word of God works if you'll work it. But he also said this, he says, when you get excited about the word of God, it's that part of the word that you get excited about that'll work for you. You know, um, he said this. There was a, a teacher at Rama, and uh, so after class one day, he helped, with, he helped Brother Hagen in healing school uh, as a volunteer, set up chairs and did all this stuff. And so him and a friend, they thought, hey, let's go get some lunch, and then we'll go to healing school. So uh, they went out and got, ate a big Mexican dinner lunch. Have you, you know, have you ever, after you eat a big meal like that, you tend to doze off a little bit. So here they are in healing school in the front row, and uh, all of a sudden, Brother Hagan hits Keith's Bible, which is sitting on his, on his legs, you know, and Keith is out. <laughs> so, so he's like, you know, I mean, just instantly wakes up, and Brother Hagan goes, Get excited, boys, because it's the part of the word that you get excited about that'll work for you. A big part of the ministry of Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing, right? So now, there's three accounts of this story, uh, but I want you to go to Mark chapter 2. We're going to read the Mark chapter 2 account. It's, It's 12 verses. So Mark chapter two, we're going to start in verse one, talking about the healing of the man born by four. Mark chapter two, verse one, we're going to get some great nuggets out of this, guys. God wants you healed. He wants you well. He wants you to lay hold of all the promises of God in every arena. So if you're in financial trouble right now, but your health is okay, don't worry about that. It's the same principles. You're going to see some great principles. Verse 1 says this of Mark chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum. And after some days, it was noised that he was in the house. Now, I believe that Jesus was in his house. He lived in Capernaum. This was his house. There's a lot of scriptures that point to that. Religion has taught us for so long that Jesus didn't have anything, which would have been impossible because he kept the whole law. He never sinned. It would have been impossible, you know, and, and, and um, he always went back to Capernaum, and it would always talk about, it was noise that he was in the house. So do I know that for sure? You know, I'll just say that's my opinion. What, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. But probably in his house. So, so he is back in Capernaum, and throughout the town or the city, it was, it was spoken, hey, Jesus is home. So this is what's happening. So now, I'm going to jump over to Matthew chapter 9. And, and why don't you hold your finger here. And now I want to jump over to Matthew chapter 9. And I want to read Matthew's account. Because it will fill in some blanks for us. And then we'll jump back to Mark. Matthew chapter 9 verse 1. So this starts the story a little bit before he's in the city. And it says, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, his own city. This is why we say Jesus lived there, okay? It was on the water, Jesus likes the water. I know that because every time I've ever been at the beach, he's always with me. It's amazing, right? And he came to his own city. So this is where Jesus lived. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. That means he was a paralyzed man. Lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith, said... Now notice, Jesus saw their faith. Well, we learn in other stories that it would have taken friends of his, would have had to pull him up on the roof, right? Broken up the roof because they couldn't get in to see Jesus, but he saw all of their faith. He saw the friend's faith and he saw this man's faith. And seeing their faith, isn't that interesting that you can see faith? Because when the word's real to you, you'll be excited about it. You could see faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins be forgiven you. Verse 3. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Why? Because he's putting himself like God. He's saying, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And these scribes are like, oh man, we got him now. He's blaspheming. He's saying he could forgive sin. Right? And Jesus, verse 4, knowing their thoughts... Did he know their thoughts because he was the son of God? No. He lived as a man. He knew their thoughts because the Holy Spirit who came upon him in all of its fullness gave him a word of knowledge and that's how he knew their thoughts in the same way that you'll know things same exact way and Jesus knowing their thoughts said wherefore think you evil in your hearts. Why are you guys thinking evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, Jesus is saying, so what's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. Jesus is saying, what's easier? Why are you thinking evil in your heart? Do you know if I were to go around this room, go around actually, go around anywhere, and take a survey? You'd say, well, how, e- how easy is it to get forgiven of your sins? Oh, it's easy. I confess my sin, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive me. I, I just know. So easy. Here's the point, and this is why I love this story. It's just as easy to receive your healing. That's why this story's in here. Jesus is showing you just as easy as it is for you to receive forgiveness. But see, people are fully persuaded that if they confess their sin, fully persuaded that their sin's forgiven. Mm. It's just as easy if you get fully persuaded that he's your healer. Just as easy. Why? Because faith is faith. Right? (laughs) Selah. Verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power. This is the Greek word, excusia. It means, so that you may know that the Son of Man has delegated authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus is saying, so that you know, so that you scribes know that I've been given delegated authority by my Father to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He's saying, guys, I know you're having a hard time with this. You're thinking I'm blaspheming, but so that you know that I have delegated authority to forgive sins, hey, paralyzed guy, I want you to get up, take your bed, take your bed out of my house. We'll talk about my roof later, right? (laughs) And go to your house. And he arose, the paralyzed man arose, and departed. Verse 8, but when the multitude saw it, what did they do? They marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now, what's interesting is as we look at this story, okay, this is what's really cool. And get ready. So Jesus' house was filled with Pharisees, scribes, doctors of the law, the, the, the regular people couldn't get into his house. That's why they had to come down through the roof. So, when, so guess who was outside Jesus' house? Guess who was just in the city? Could you imagine this guy was paralyzed his whole life? Everybody in this town would have known he's the paralyzed guy. Could you imagine... You know, here's the falafel, you know, the International House of Falafels in, in, in Capernaum, right? And they're working, and, and they have a storefront, and all of a sudden they look. Honey, God, you know, the, the paralyzed guy is walking, carrying his bed. Everywhere, the, guy, the guy's just walking home. People be running up to him going, what? What happened to you? Oh, Jesus, Jesus healed me. That's the multitudes. It was outside the house. The scribes and Pharisees wanted to kill him. Nobody, he got up. The, the guys who, however many it was, I think it probably would have had to have been four maybe, but maybe three. I mean, think of the faith of this paralyzed guy. You're gonna, you're gonna drag, you're gonna pull me up on this roof. You know, he's like, well, I'm paralyzed. If you drop me, I guess I won't feel it, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just... Don't you ever read into these stories, right? But anyway, he's just, they had to get him to Jesus. Because they heard he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. They were fully persuaded if we get to Jesus. You know the difference between him and you? Jesus is in you. The healer is in the house right now. But listen, good feeling gone, all these scribes got mad. There was no, I mean, these guys were rejoicing. I could just imagine. They're high-fiving each other, knocking the Pharisees' hat off, and they didn't care. They're just, I'm healed, you know, bumping them and getting them all dirty, probably. Could you imagine? Here's all these, all these doctors of the law in their garb. And all of a sudden, man, just dust starts flying. That'd just be hilarious, right? So the multitudes, the multitudes saw it, they marveled and they glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Wow. Notice Jesus, when people looked at Jesus, they knew it was God that was doing it through him. Interesting. There was a guy, his name was John Alexander Dowie. He was a Scottish born preacher. He pastored in Newton, uh, Newtown, Australia, which is a suburb of Sydney. This was back in 1875, okay? So a plague swept the land and many people were dying of this plague. Within a few weeks, 40 people in his church had died of this plague. Could you imagine if a plague broke out and 40 people in our church died? That'd be major So he prayed and the Lord illuminated Acts 10.38, brought revelation of this verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. He gave him revelation of that verse. John Alexander Dowie's response was this. Jesus does good and heals people the devil goes about oppressing people. He saw it. Just as he saw it, history tells us a member came to his home and told him that a girl named Mary was dying of the plague. So now this would have been the 41st had she died. So while he's getting this revelation, a person comes in and says, hey, you know Mary in our church? She has this plague. She's dying of this plague. Pastor Dowie went to the girl's bedside, rebuked the devil and the disease, and God raised the child up instantly. The girl's brother and sister were instantly healed as he ministered to them. So the family had got it too. From that time on, not another member of his church died. So now could you imagine everybody in his church is living while others are dying everywhere? So it says here, history tells us the healing power of God was poured out in Australia and New Zealand through Pastor Dowie's ministry. So his ministry, it exploded his ministry all all through Australia and New Zealand. Pastor Dowie, he came to San Francisco uh, into the bay in San Francisco by ship June 7th of 1988. What did I say? 1888, not 1988. (laughs) The dude lived a long time, okay? No, 1888. So 1888 would have been what? 13 years, right? Past this. And the sick in the United States flocked to the hotel where he was staying. See, this is what happened to Jesus. Hey, Jesus is in his house. He's back in Capernaum. So this is why everybody's coming. Same way people heard about what happened in Australia and New Zealand and now the sick flocked to this hotel where he was staying. It's amazing. It's the same thing. So now let's jump back to this story. Mark, right? Mark, let's go to verse two now. Let's look at this. Chapter two, verse two. The reason why I read that story to you guys is as, as, as we walk this out, Expect this to happen. Expect there to be beds. I mean, it's not going to be as comfortable when you've got beds and IVs and all this wheelchairs everywhere, but that's okay. And then we'll have to donate them to the hospitals because we won't, they won't, the person won't need them anymore. I mean, this is, this is end of church age stuff because Jesus never changes. He was a healer then. He's a healer right now. Verse 2 and straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And what did Jesus do in his house? He preached the word unto them. I wonder if most of those people were like everybody else who came to Jesus. They came to hear and to be healed. Jesus knew that they would only be able to receive healing. As a result of hearing the word of God, this is why he was teaching the word, right? Faith comes by hearing. God's word is his will. That's why it says in Ephesians 5, 17, don't be unwise, but understand what God's will is. You gotta understand today that God's will is that your body is healed and strong and pain-free and that that is his will for the rest of your life on this earth. So we move from divine healing into divine health. And we walk into, in the divine health and life of God as we just, as we walk. This is not something that's because we're so good, right? We must find God's will and then we must act on his word and stand in faith until we see the answer manifest in our lives. And that's, that's what we've got to do. I'm telling you guys, I'm thoroughly convinced that the only adjustment that we need to make is the fact that this is not the highest priority in our life. And I'm telling you, many times we don't even know it because we live in such a fast-paced society with technology, and, and we just have so many things going on. We don't realize that This drops in priority and we stop meditating in it so we stop seeing it. That's all that's happening today. And we're not fully persuaded. We're hoping. And Satan will complicate faith. Know this. Faith expects. Faith fights. Faith is determined. Faith is persistent. Faith is excited. Faith Rejoices. Faith gives thanks. Faith never complains. Amen. That's faith. Now remember, you could sit here and go, okay, I've got to expect, and I've got to fight, and I've got to be determined, and I've got to be... You're, you're going to fail. Because it, it's, it's faith that does those things. You rest... You make a decision, I refuse to be moved by what the facts that I'm seeing, I'm only moved by the truth of his word, and I'm going to keep his word before, it's going to forever be in my heart, I'm going to be, it's going to be forever coming out of my mouth, I'm going to forever give it my undivided attention, keep it before my eyes, right? That's our part. We must spend time hearing God's word, allowing it to saturate our hearts. That's huge. So that, see, as the word of God, we keep it before us until it so saturates our heart that now it's renewing our mind, which is the control center. Every one of you, don't ever let Satan talk you out of it, are a great man or woman of faith. But I feel so, don't go there. Because when you're weak, then you're strong because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Right? This is huge. You have to know, I am speaking today to mighty men and women of faith. I know that. Because you know what the word says. You know it. It's like, but pastor, I just, I, I doubt it. No, 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 no. Those are just thoughts that the enemy's throwing you. And the only reason why you doubt it is because you get your eyes off Jesus onto the circumstance. Man, that, all you got to do is say, no, it is written. He sent his word and healed me. Father, I thank you, I'm healed. And as you do that, guess what? You're taking that thought captive, taking that thought captive. Satan is defeated. The message of divine healing. Get this. I love when the Lord told me this. The message of divine healing does more for the deepening of your soul than it does for the healing of your body. I'm telling you, the healing of your body is a byproduct. But what it does to your soul is amazing because you keep, you keep your eyes fixed on the word and your spirit man is getting saturated. He's constantly hearing the Holy Spirit say to him and teach him and bring revelation of the word of God and you get so excited that it's coming out of your mouth and you're seeing a picture of yourself well and it's renewing your mind. It does so much more for the deepening of your soul than what it does in your body. To receive and live in divine health demands three things. Number one, a following after God. You got to seek first him. Number two, a cleansing from within. I keep myself. I'm constantly being cleansed by the word of God. The washing over my... over. See, what's happening is I'm meditating in the word in my spirit and that word is coming out of my spirit and it's constantly washing over my mind. It's pulling out lies. It's pulling out all this stuff I've got to die that nobody lives from this disease. It's pulling that out and it's replacing it with all things are possible to him who believes. A cleansing from within. And number three... A spiritual hunger that is birthed from God's Word that is so strong it changes the course of your life. Number one, a following after God. Number two, a cleansing from within. And number three, a spiritual hunger that becomes so strong in you that it changes the whole course of your life. You don't do any of that. The Word does all of that. You're not to handle the pressure of your circumstance. The Word will handle that. But I'm telling you, what happens is, is as you are there, I'm telling you, what's threatening you will not intimidate you anymore. And your spirit man, the Bible says a strong spirit of a man will sustain that man in his infirmity. So that means a strong spirit when your body's hurting. A strong spirit when you're sitting in a doctor's office and they're telling you, man, there's nothing we can do. It doesn't move you anymore. But if you try not to be moved, you're just playing church. Don't do that. Let God be God. So let me read Luke's account real quick. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 I'm going to read through from verse 17 to verse 26. This will give us another part of this story. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So all These Pharisees and doctors, that would be scribes, now it's giving us a picture who was in the house. They came out of of every town of Galilee. Could you imagine how many rabbis and Pharisees and all these guys? And look at this. They all came. We're going to learn to catch Jesus in something. But look at what it says here. And the power... This word is dunamis. That means ability, miraculous power that's released. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everybody in the house had a wrong motive and yet God is so good that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. So these guys had stuff going on in their bodies. Isn't that amazing? How much more do you think the presence of the Lord is here right now to heal you? Well, it has to be. If it was there, it has to be here. Because he's no respecter of persons. Verse 18, And behold, men brought, a, uh, brought in a bed, uh, brought in a bed, a man which was taken with the palsy or a paralyzed condition. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon a house. See, faith will not be denied. They went upon a house, upon the housetop, and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Could you imagine You're in your house and you're teaching the word and they're tearing up the roof. Wow. And it says, uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus, and when he saw their faith, he said unto them, man, your sins be forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, he answering said unto them, what reason you and your hearts, whether it is easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power, again, delegated authority upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise and take up your couch and go into your house And immediately he rose up before them and took up that thereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, What we have seen strange things today. Wow. See, Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So that's why we know his power is present to heal you today. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three are gathered together in his name, there am I in the midst of them. So I know I'm gathering in his name. Is there anybody else? So he's here. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, the God of heaven, is here. The healer. And, and, and he's doing the same thing that he's always done. So you don't need somebody to lay hands on you. If you're sitting there, just say, oh, Father, I've received my healing. That's all you got to do. You may say, but pastor, I'm not feeling any power. Did you notice they didn't either? His power was present to heal them, and none of those guys even knew it. So don't go by your feelings to determine if he said he's here. Yeah. He's here. Yeah. Do you see that? Because we expect all this, man, when I just feel, forget that. Trust me, you will feel when that tumor's gone, when that, when that back is healed, when your, when your hips healed, when your knees are healed, when, when your blood sugar is in the right place, when, when the disease is gone, when your eyes... When your eyesight comes back, oh, there'll be feelings. You'll run around glorifying God. But here's the thing. You're a New Testament believer. You run around glorifying God now because you're fully persuaded. Right? Right? The Word didn't say they felt anything either. So now let's jump back to Mark. Verse 3. I'm racing through this story. You guys are riveted. I could feel it. You're not thinking of all that warm food down there that's just so awesome. Verse three, and they, came, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was borne by four. So now we know there were four friends that were bearing this guy on, on his bed. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Notice they couldn't get in, so what did they do? They looked up. Why is that in the Bible? Always look up. Don't look down here for your answer. Your answer is Jesus. It took faith to climb up on that roof and break a hole in it and let the paralyzed man down. Faith will always, it will always make a way where there's no way. Now think about it. So the roof was strong enough to hold five men. So this wasn't like it was an easy thing to break up this roof, right? They had to break it up. They probably had to go get something. Hey, you guys hold them up here. I got to run back and get my sledgehammer or something, right? The roof was strong, but they would not be stopped. Real faith doesn't quit when it meets obstacles it makes its own entrance into the blessing of god that'll be the same way for you there might seem to be no way this is things not only not changing for the better it's changing for the worse don't don't get your eyes on that faith will always make a way it makes its own entrance into the blessing of god We see the importance of taking the sick to where the power is flowing despite obstacles. Their faith was visible through their actions. Operating the principles of faith is much like playing checkers. God moves, then it's your move. Well, I got news for you. God moved 2,000 years ago, so now the move is yours. And it's a whosoever will, let him come. You must make the move that faith demands, right? You must express your faith by believing he's already healed you and then act like you're healed, thanking God for your healing. Don't thank God that you will be healed. No, no. The Bible says believe you receive and then you'll have. Father, I thank you I'm healed. When was I healed? I'm so healed, I was healed 2,000 years ago right faith is always an act never a feeling verse 5 when jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son your sins are be forgiven thee so jesus is again bringing a connection between sin and sickness this is the first time he's ever done this jesus assumed the right on earth to forgive sins And if you look at the ministry of Jesus, from that time on, those Pharisees and those doctors of the law went out, and from that time on, Jesus was called the blasphemer. Jesus saw a deeper need that must be met first. Jesus knew in this man, he needed to know he was forgiven in order to receive his healing. We must learn to put first things first. Am I saying that you're sick because of sin in your life? No, the Holy Spirit has to reveal that to you. You could be sick doing nothing wrong, it's just an attack of the enemy. But it doesn't matter, but sometimes, could sickness be as a result of your disobedience? Absolutely, and you'll know it, you'll know it, and the Lord will help you get free from it. We must learn to put first things first, Many times our physical welfare is held back by our spiritual welfare. Right? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Our health and prosperity are contingent on our soul prospering. Our soul prospers when our mind is renewed with God's word so that we can learn to think right. Boy, we're given a lot of nuggets right now. James chapter one, verse 21 says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Basically, lay apart the sin. And what? And receive with meekness, receive with humility, the engrafted word, the word implanted in your hearts, which is able to save or make whole your soul. Implanting the word in your heart will bring wholeness to your soul, which will help you lay hold of everything God has given you. So here is a faith killer. It's called condemnation. In 1 John chapter 3, don't have to turn there because I'm kind of, I'm going a little long today, but I want to finish this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 through verse 22, it says this, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Be, and, and this word ask again, whatsoever we call for, whatsoever we make a demand for, whatsoever we require, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Now it's interesting. In the King James, it says Commandments. But in the Greek, it's commandment. What is the commandment? Love. That's our our commandment, that we love one another as God loves us unconditionally. As we keep his commandment and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, what is that? What pleases God? Faith. So you walk in love, you keep that command, and you walk by faith. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So his commandment, one commandment, is this. Believe on the name of Jesus and love. Right? That's one thing, that's not two things. Because you can't believe on his name if you don't have a revelation of his love for you. So this is why they're so one. So condemnation is keeping a lot of people out. I'm just not good enough. I don't pray enough. I don't do... No, no, faith doesn't come that way. Faith comes by hearing God's word. So let me read the rest of this story in Mark's place as we close. Verse six of Mark chapter two. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason you these things in your heart, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has delegated authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house." And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth, verse 13, again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him. And what did he do? He taught them. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Here's Jesus. He's always... What I want you to get from this, there's principles. The Holy Spirit will guide you into your healing. He'll guide you into receiving everything in your life, going everywhere He wants you to go. He will show you what to do. So you just, step number one, relax and stop condemning yourself. And know that God wants you to walk in all of His blessings. And then the Holy Spirit will start to lead you to either pick some things up, lay some things down, forgive this person or probably forgive yourself or whatever it is. And then if it's to lay down a sin thing or a sin habit, he will strengthen you to do that. You don't have to do that in your own strength. He'll lead you into all of it. But guys, being healed is just as easy as getting your sins forgiven. Your sins were forgiven 2,000 years ago your body was healed 2,000 years ago. Amen. Amen?